Let me introduce you. Let me introduce you. Everybody and welcome to your favorite, we hope, podcast. Let me introduce you. We are a film and friends podcast where three best friends from college who have extremely different taste in movies, different experience growing up, different movies that we've watched. We will introduce each other to new movies or movies that mean something to us all within a theme. And the trick is at least one of us has to have not seen these movies before. So each week or Whatever the podcast airs, uh, <laughs> whatever we feel whenever like we it, do this, yeah. uh, we will, uh, you know, we break the movie down, we talk a little bit about it, talk about the story, the actors, why we like it. And so this week I am joined by my amazingly fantastic and both engaged co-host. Uh, I know, it's a, it's, it's a celebration of love. And insanity. So I've got uh, Graham. Okay, hi, I'm Graham. Hi, Graham. <laughs> and then I also am joined by Ashley. Hi, I like to interrupt. <laughs> uh, so Me too. I, oh my god, I'm gonna kill both of you. There's a children's uh, book called Interrupting Chicken. Perfect. I've had a lot of cat today. Uh, Alright, so let's keep it moving this week. We're continuing our theme of Excuse Me What? Excuse Me What? Excuse Me What? Excuse Me What? Uh, movies, we are stunned. Stunned! that the others have not seen. And so last week, Graham introduced a movie that came out on his birthday. And so this week, I'm talking about a movie that came out a month before my birthday. And, and our first Best Picture winner. It is? It is our first Best Picture winner. We've we've had Oscar winners on the show before, but this is our first Best Picture winner. Oh, wow. 1984's Amadeus. Oh. Which I love so mm-hmm. much. So we are going to uh, dive into that today. But before we do, Graham. Oh, God. Oh God. Graham, you're on a two Oh, Jesus Christ. You are, you're on synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you're on synopsis <clears throat> and you're on box office, so. Uh, okay, I, so I'll do synopsis first because I'm going to. Whatever. I am going to pull an Ashley and I'm going to wing this. Yeah. Almost did a spick take. All right. Season 3.5, winging it. Second half season 3.5. You know, I'm just going to try and do this. Okay. Did you, wait, did you look at the IMDb? I have the Wikipedia open. Uh, okay, right good. good. <laughs> then you're set. You're in full Ashley wing it. All right, so let's see how well I do, and hopefully we don't have to do many edits here, Kitty. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right, so we begin in the early 1800s, and Antonio Salieri, who is a famous film composer, is basically... He's a music composer. There's no film Oh, back shit, then. you're right. So let's... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Already doing so well. I'm already doing so well. So good. So Salieri is is in his home, and he's wailing behind a closed door, and servants are coming to check up on him. And they break open his door and see that he has punctured his neck, um, attempting suicide and claiming that he has killed Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. And then we go to what I'll call an insane asylum, um, at this time, and a priest is coming in to be like, what is going on? What are you confessing to? And then we jump back in time to Salieri's childhood where he is really into music, but his father does not want him to be involved in music at all. And so one day he's young and he's he's uh, prays to God to give him the gift of music and he will do everything he can. He'll, he'll live a very chaste life to to give music to the world. His father then dies that day. So he sees it as a sign that he's going to become this famous musician. So then during all this, as he's growing up and, and getting older and becoming well-known, he keeps hearing about Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, this child prodigy. And he's fascinated by this person and he wants to meet him. And upon meeting him, he's shocked to discover that uh, Wolfgang, or Wolfie, as his wife calls him in this film, is kind of this boorish, obscene, young, crass guy. And he's like, how dare you, God, give this gift of music brilliance to someone like this after I've lived this really like chaste and, and primitive life. 
So he kind of like renounces God. He's like, I'm going to take revenge on Mozart. So while this is going on, Mozart's also just like having issues in his marriage. He's, he's obviously sleeping around, with, sleeping around with other women. He's an alcoholic. He can't keep hold of money. He's very proud. Um, but he's at the same time writing brilliant music. For example, he writes The Marriage of Figaro. He writes Don Giovanni. He writes The Magic Flute. And there's always this like issue with him trying to become the brilliant artist, but also trying to make money. Um, but he is just not wanting to compromise his vision for the sake of just like helping rich people learn how to play the piano. Is that that's kind of like right, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. He doesn't want to take on like pupils. Yeah, he doesn't want to take how, on pupils. How, how most composers during this time made their his money. father dies, and he writes the opera rather Don Giovanni about his father, and then Salieri is like, hmm, let me kind of fuck with Mozart. So he hmm. dresses up in this costume that his father was wearing earlier in the film, and approaches Mozart as his father, like his dead father, saying, "I want you to write a requiem for me," and you know. Mozart's kind of just like messed up in the head and he's like, yes, I will. I'll do this for you. Um, and as he's doing this, they kind of strike up a friendship. But Salieri is like at the, the whole time, like trying to like manipulate him into making this requiem so he can kill him and take credit for this piece of music. Much like the mask that Salieri is wearing. He's two. He's two faced. Exactly. Ooh, nice. So um, eventually Mozart, dies of exhaustion stemming from like alcoholism and just like not taking care of himself um he dies penniless and he's buried in an unmarked grave then we flash forward to the very end where which is the beginning of the film where he's where um he the salieri is confessing all of this to the priest and help me out here at the end he's basically Help me out he's here. A, he's like he's like the king of mediocrity. He's the king of so mediocrity. Yes, yes. 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 So he's 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 accepted his life as as the the king of mediocrity that will go on into obscurity like the rest of the as he's like being wheeled through the the asylum with all and of these crazy people blessing like all blessing of these them. people and and the last sound you hear is Mozart's mocking laugh which is throughout the entire film this that just giggle like is crazy so... giggle that Mozart did um, and that's that's Amadeus this I would say this is the the director's cut that and I I think we'll get into the differences Katie of yes um, but that is at least. The director's cut that that we all watched. This opened on September 21st, 1984 in limited release uh, with $505,276 only in 25 theaters. So that's pretty pretty big. And it played for months. It just continuously played until May... So if we remember, we talked earlier, this won the Oscar for Best Picture. So it was kind of playing in under about 500 theaters that entire time and won the Oscar, added several hundred more theaters in April because the Oscars used to be super, super late. And it played even longer and it eventually ended up grossing about $52 million. You know, a two-hour and 40-minute movie about classical music making that much money. Um, one note is that it opened the same weekend as the Steve Martin and the Lily Tomlin classic comedy All of Me, which is fantastic. Oh. Who's ever? I thought you were going to say The Man with Two Brains. That's Kathleen Turner. Oh, yes, it yes. Is Kathleen Turner. But uh, that's another notable film. And then a couple <gasps> weeks later, Katie was born. Yay! <laughs> so, Graham, very, very well oh, done. Her yeah. sweating. That's impressive. You did so okay, good. Thank you. I'm um, really sweating. And yes, uh, so yes, we we did watch the director's cut this time, but I have some thoughts because I'd actually never seen the director's cut. I had only ever seen the theatrical release, and I don't like the edition. So, <laughs> at some point, we will we will discuss. But Ashley, I would love to know as the first time viewer, and as someone who I was like, shit, I'm giving Ashley an almost three hour movie <laughs> that's a period piece that is not recent. That is, um, you know, long. With my known uh, attention issues lately. Yes. So what, what did you think? 
Oh, she's sipping her coffee. As she's, yeah, as she sips she's her like, tea. She's like, here we go. It's my tea. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. Um, so when we watched it on, we rented it on Amazon Prime. Um, and so the trailer was on there. It was a very, you know, 1980s style trailer of serious movies. And I was like, okay, so it's just like about Mozart's life, right? I didn't, I had no idea who Salieri was. I didn't know it was written from his perspective um, or anything like that. So it was like, I was really impressed by all the costuming um, and obviously like the sound design just to be able to portray that very well and the way that like the sound carried it. I was like, oh, that's really good. That's really good. You know, I don't have the greatest attention. I actually paid attention for most of it, though. Um, and <laughs> good, we started good. it at like eight o'clock, so we were oh, watching it until watching it until eleven. So I paid attention through most of it. I checked my phone a few times, but for me, that's that's impressive. That's saying something. That's, that's really, really good. good. That's the right? That's kind of what what Graham and I were hoping for because I'm like, and this is something I'm going to want to touch base on too. Is just the story is so captivating that I was like, I'm hoping it just like. Ashley can't look away because that's good. Okay, good. Yeah, I don't think I was like, oh my God, rapt attention. What is going to happen next? I was like, yeah, I'm interested in finding out what happens. But I don't know. For some reason, it didn't grab me. But I'm also wondering, like, what did I miss? What mm. with my broken attention span and lack of uh, working my film muscle, even though we've been doing this podcast for a while? What am I missing out on? Because I have heard other people say, like, oh, my God, I love this film. It is so great. It's amazing. And so I think I'm just I still remain very out of practice. Mm. So I can't wait to hear what you love about it and then reflect on it and go like, oh, yeah. And then that, and, then that. Mm. and I also want to know how the director's cut was different from theatrical, because when we all tried to just look on streaming, we couldn't find the theatrical. You release. can't find the theater. It's nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I will, I will definitely uh, go in and go into that a bit. Um, but that's that's great to hear. I'm I'm so glad that you that you seem to enjoy it. Uh, Graham, you and I have already discussed that you love this movie. But um, at least for me, it's been a while since I yeah. watched it. I don't know the last time you watched it, but I would love to know what you think, yeah. like how you feel about it, and you know, watching it yeah. for this. So I realized I had only seen the director's cut. So I actually have not seen the theatrical version of this film because I, I bought the DVD of this when it came out in 2002. So that was the director's that cut. That was the director's cut. So uh, that I was like, I, I know that this is an important movie. I, I should watch it. I should watch what you know Milos Forman's vision was. Milos. So um, I love this movie. I think it is so unbelievably entertaining for a three-hour film about classical music. You know, if you if you hear about that, you say, oh, it's going to be rather stuffy. There's going to be not a lot to engage. It is written so well, and the performances, especially F. Marie Abraham, um, are, are completely, uh, you know, what's the word? Um, magnetic. The, the, the performances are completely magnetic. I loved the relationship between Salieri and and um, Mozart. It's just, it moves so quickly. At least I felt that it, the story moved really quickly. And it did not feel like three hours for me. There's so many large group scenes as well. Mm. And parties and of the staging of these operas that just fill me with such joy. I'm like, wow, that looks like so much fun. <laughs> and and yes, like the the I think the first half especially is great. I think the last half there are certain parts where it drags a bit, which is the problem with any movie over a certain amount sure. of time. But I think the the lighting of this film is amazing because they did not use any artificial lighting, similar to what they did yeah. with, with similar to what yeah. Kubrick did with Barry Lyndon. Oh, and, I didn't know that. And the they barely built any sets too. They just used. They went to. They filmed it in Prague, which is set in Vienna. Yep. Wow. Um, but yeah. But I just the costumes in this. They're so. The sequence where they are going to the masquerade ball and they're all getting ready and they wear. These, I know. I love that. There's that one woman <sighs> with the wig, wig with the boat on top of it, and it's just, uh, it's just so fun. It's just a film that 
I was surprised at how much fun it was considering what could have been a stuffy subject matter. Um, And I think the the difference is, I think what's interesting about Tom Hulse's performance is he sounds so modern to me. He sounds, he and Elizabeth Barrage, who plays his wife, sounds so modern. And watching it again, because I hadn't seen it 15, 20 years ago. Well, that yeah. makes sense because they are so different from the rest of the society's depiction of what a, mu- a proper musician should be. Like their, their difference of, of speech and manners of how they handle themselves, even from the way they talk, having them sound so modern was a great technique the director used to show their differences from everybody else. Yeah, and the the director, uh, you know, of course, nobody would have American accents. No one would speak English. This would all be in in German. Um, So he didn't want people to concentrate on an accent because he wanted them to focus on their performance, um, which is why the people who only really have accents are are meant to reflect, like, the Italians or, you know, um, people from, from other countries. That's why like F Murray Abraham has a slight Italian effect to his, to his dialogue, but, uh, Tom Hulse and, and, you know, even, um, the, the emperor, uh, they, everybody, if you're German, you're speaking with an American mm-hmm. accent, but, oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Cause Graham, I had, so I'm like you, I haven't watched this in like, 15, 20 years. Um, you know, it's not like on the, you know, rotation. You're not going to want to be like sit down and, and have this, but it's it's something I grew up with, which is weird. Because um, like I called my mom and I was like, I don't remember with the first time that we saw this. Do you remember? And she was like, well, um, you know, we we had a lot of kids in our family, so we couldn't always go to the movie theater. So we would either like, buy the movies or whatever and then just watch them at home with everybody so a lot of the first time we were seeing something it was the first time you were seeing something and I was like okay well that's cool but um yeah I I grew up with this and the beginning always scared me like it took me years before I could before like I because I knew what's coming and I knew that you know the the blood on Sally's neck I knew that's coming and it took me years before I could actually take my eyes off to see that scene you Says yeah. the woman well, I was a kid when I who saw watched it. tons of horror as a child. Katie, that is shocking. Oh, this is different. Okay. This is different. This is, different. is it because it's it more realistic? Like, like it's. I think because it's just so striking. It's such a way to what a no. way to begin a movie too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that was something I wanted to talk about too. Is like the story. Like we talk about so many different movies, and like we've talked about movies that come from real life or that were you know based on. This was written not based on a play, but you know of course it's got a lot of things that happened in real life. Um, but I'm so sucked in by the story and the performances by everybody. Like. The, just the little, like, F. Murray Abraham's just, like, little, like, facial changes. Oh like, the God. way his face changes from, like, total bullshit, shit-eating grin to, like, I will fucking kill yeah. you. Like, it's so, so good. Um, so I'm I, I'm so glad that... Yeah. And, yeah, so I, I, just to talk a bit... And, and, like I said, I was... As I grew up, we watched the theatrical cut. I guess that was yeah. the version we had on, on VHS. Um, and watching the the director's one, there are a couple scenes that I'm like, no, this is weird. Mm. This should not be here. Uh, and the only ones that I can recall off the top of my head, uh, like there are a few that I'm sure are a bit, a bit longer, but there's one, two, like three or four that I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> uh, the first one is, uh, so when Mozart, it, you know, does his first opera, it's the Turkish opera in the brothel. And he's got the, you know, that beautiful opera singer, and it's clear that they slept together. Christine Ebersole? Um, yes! What uh, do we know her from? What else has she been in? Oh, lots Ashley. of stuff. Ashley! She's been in lots of Excuse stuff. Me, um, Excuse me, what? What would you want to <laughs> What? She's, she's a, a stage and screen actress. She's won a Tony for Grey Gardens. She's, ah, uh, she's a gem. Okay, okay. She, uh, yeah, so that scene where it's in her dressing room afterwards, and she's like, uh, is that woman still there? And she's talking with Salieri, and then Tom Hulse comes in, or Amadeus comes in, and, uh, yeah, she, like, that whole little thing where, like, she must be good in bed, otherwise why would you marry her? That oh, whole scene was not there. Really? Oh. Yeah, they cut, they cut immediately from... 
when she smashes the flowers against uh, Mozart, they go directly from that back to F. Murray Abraham in present day and he's like it was that moment that I knew that he had her because you didn't need that additional information because Salieri was obsessed with her as well yeah. Yes. Yes. So the moment that she smashes the roses mm. against against Mozart, and then the next line is, "It was that moment that I knew that I had her." I was like, "That that was perfect." Like you didn't need that additional information. Mm. So yeah, it's not like there was, was any one. like amazing performance in the following scene. Okay, nope. I take it back. I think Christina Ebersole's great. I loved. I wanted more of her in this movie. So I was very happy <laughs> to have more Christina Ebersole in this. Yeah, yeah. But it is redundant. Awesome, it is redundant. Yeah. Yeah, so that was out. Um then the next like I'm kind of going order. So, you know when Mozart's wife Stanza takes the uh takes his work to Salieri yeah. to get reviewed so he can get a pupil. Um and you know, she shows it to him and he's Salieri's reading it and then he drops it on the floor. Um and she goes to pick it up and she's like, you know, he's like, I will help you. And she's like, oh, thank you, thank you. And then it goes to Salieri, you know, having that ignition of an idea where he's like, but you have to come back tonight and just proposing that there's uh, a quid pro quo. Mm, like a sleep, and then where sleep she, with her. Sleep with her, yeah. Yes. Uh, and then when she comes back later that night and she starts undressing and he throws her out, that whole scene's not there. So that... Yeah, that is. I did not like that part because I just me either. I, the humiliation of that character is just so cruel. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it goes directly from him saying that he will help her, right to uh, I don't remember whatever the next. Yeah. Scene is. Wow. Okay. But she's like um, laying in bed sobbing because she had just been humiliated. Was that piece cut out? I bet. when Wolfie comes uh, back. I don't remember. It might just have been that. Like, it might have read that she was just sobbing because her husband was out all night drinking or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't remember. But then, okay. then I'm wondering, Katie, at the end where she comes back to check up on, to basically go back to to, to, um, to Mozart, and she sees Salieri there, Salieri there, and she freaks out. Like, yeah. if you don't have that part, that, that it, freak out wouldn't necessarily make as much sense. It read as this is a man who is making my husband work himself to oh, death, okay. as opposed to I had a personal okay. response to this. Okay, yeah. So it so focuses, it yeah, yeah. If, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that scene was cut out, um, and then um, any scene where so Mozart, uh, uh, you know, a big part of the story is that Mozart needs money. Mm-hmm. His his family needs money. They go through money very quickly. But no pupils will hire him because um, he either has a reputation or Salieri is purporting this reputation that he makes moves on young young girls. Um, so the scenes where Mozart goes to the house to try to get the um, the house with the dogs. Okay. So when he yeah the, that whole scene is not there. So the whole the, and there's two of them. There's one in the beginning where Mozart. Uh, tries to tutor this young girl, and the dogs get in the way, and then he he's too prideful, and he walks out. And then when he uh, later, when he's like drunk and really, really needs money, he goes back and begs this same guy. Um, both of those scenes were not interesting. There. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I don't know yeah, if you those... necessarily needed them. I mean, they add to that desperation and a little bit of his like how far he's fallen or like into his drunkenness, but. I can see it vibing very well without. Yeah, so those those were both not there. And then there's, uh, I don't think that at the end with the funeral scene, they don't show, I don't think they show the attendance at the funeral scene. Um, I think they just show Mozart getting put into the coffin, getting driven, getting tossed into the, They don't show who's there, which makes it even more of a lonely oh. experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's such a downer. Uh, I know. To, to realize this brilliant mind is just dumped in a grave with other people that that you know don't matter. I guess. Um, yeah, and I mean it goes against Celery's entire plan, where Celery was like, you know, the Mozart, Mo, I'm going to kill Mozart. He's going to have this huge, huge funeral with the emperor, and everybody's going to be there, and then this beautiful requiem that will be composed by me. Yeah. Uh, and and Celery doesn't realize that. There's not going to be a funeral. There's not going to be anything because this dude has no money. Yeah. I read a really interesting quote from Milos Forman about about the additions. 
that when it was released, it was the time of like MTV and like, you know, it was a time where like there was really hard to get this movie funded because it was about classical music with people with long names and wearing wigs. So they didn't <laughs> want to quote, push the audience patience too far with these like extra 20 minutes. So ironic. So then yes. <laughs> when the DVD came out, he's like, well, now it's like, whatever. Like, you can just watch it. Like, whatever. Just here you go. Here's what here's what yeah. it was originally intended to be. And it's the two scenes you mentioned with one with Christine Ebersole and then with Elizabeth Barrage. Um, you know, where she because the, the director's cuts are rated. Yeah. So though they do have more mature themes in those scenes, mm-hmm. if you by 84 standards, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, because the original release was PG. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Wait, that I, took it like, from a PG to a PG thirteen. I mean, an R. But like, think about this is like when the there wasn't really a PG thirteen. Yeah. At the time, yeah, it, it, it was it was just yeah, starting. It, just Wait, it was it was it was that year was where it started because they created the PG thirteen. One of the reasons was because Temple of Doom. Mm. Yep. With, Which I just with the heart today. getting ripped out. That was too much, but it was still a PG movie. Yep. Huh. So I wanted to talk about the Oscar. The Oscar. There, there's a bit of a scandal. Mm. So, um, you know, you remember um, a couple years ago when um, it was La La Land versus Yes. Moonlight, Katie, we were Moonlight. together that night. <laughs> I know. Graham, Graham and I were together. Aren't you just rubbing uh, in that you live in the same state? Yeah. <laughs> we do. Uh, so this kind of had something similar. So Lawrence Olivier was, you know, an older man at the time he had been sick he was like 78 and he was announcing best picture um he got up on stage and he didn't read any of the nominations he just got up stage opened the envelope and it was like the winner's amadeus yeah and that was it. And it was a, a big <gasps> yeah i watched I, katie i watched that clip yesterday after the movie Did you? and it's like he's opening the envelope and you can hear the audience be like no 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 no, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's like i don't have time for this shit let's yeah. just do it but again, I got by, things to do. by that time of the night, it had won seven other awards, so it was kind of like a done deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it won best picture, best director, best actor for F. Murray Abraham. Mm. Although Tom Hulse was also nominated mm-hmm. um, as best the actor? last time mm-hmm. as best actor. So that's the last time that's happened in film history where uh, two actor two actors from the same movie were both nominated for best actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also the only Oscar nomination uh, for both F. Murray Abraham and Tom Hulse. Oh. Um, it also won adapted screenplay because this was originally a stage play, mm-hmm. starring Ian McKellen. And Mark Hamill. <gasps> and Mark Hamill was Mozart. Well, yeah. And the other actor who played Mozart was Tim Curry. Oh, Tim and Curry. Both. And Mark Hamill, they were like, they were, there was talk about him being in the film. And they were like, Correct. no, you're too affiliated with Star Wars. Yeah, Aww. we don't want Luke Skywalker in this film, so. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a bummer, because you're like, I played the yeah. character in the play, and then he doesn't get cast in the role in the film. Do you know who was first cast? Uh, no. Kenneth Branagh. Shut up. And then they pivoted to American actors, and they also thought that he was too young. I think he was, like, early 20s at the time, and and Tom Hulse, I think, is, like, 29 when he was making this. Yeah. Can you imagine, though? But, yeah, it also won Best Art Direction, of course, Best Costume Design, Mm -hmm. of course, Best Sound, and, I'm very happy to say, Best Makeup, uh... This was the first film to win Best Makeup and Best Picture. And the Best Makeup went to... Tom Savini, right? No. Outside no. of his usual horror uh, oeuvre. What is that? Oeuvre? I don't know how oeuvre. to say it. Oeuvre. Thank you. It actually... I mean, it, the man who won has connections to, like, everybody because he's the godfather of special effects, Dick Smith. We've talked about him so, before. We have talked about him before because he's freaking amazing. Uh, he... You know, he did The Exorcist, he did Godfather, he did Scanners, Taxi Driver. He is the Godfather because he pioneered techniques on, uh, you know, using foam latex, using plastics, different colors. But his big thing, so, you know, uh, special effects makeup of this magnitude. So this was for the old age makeup for F. Murray Abraham. They used to do a big, just a whole one piece mask, right? 
But Dick Smith was the one who pioneered doing uh, latex appliance pieces. So a piece for the mouth, a piece for the forehead, different pieces for the eyes. That way everything kind of moves together. (gasps) Interesting. And that, that was him. Wow. And he's also considered like... The Godfather, because I mean, uh, he, because he did Godfather, but also I was just gonna I was gonna make that joke. Did he do the Godfather? Mm. He did do the Godfather, but also because so many special effects people were notorious for like not sharing their secrets and like keeping everything to themselves. But Dick Smith taught everybody. He was super open about his techniques and how to do everything. So he's also very yeah, cool. Dick Smith. Yeah, uh, Salieri's makeup took four and a half hours for uh, F. Murray Abraham. Shit, I was impressed with all the wigs. Ugh. Like I thought they I looked know. really real. I was like, is that a lot of lace fronts? It's just I, I, what was the like the movie was not even that expensive of a movie either. Like it was it was made for eighteen million dollars. Um, so just like how much of that went into these costumes because they're so beautiful. Not just the male wigs, but the wigs that that Elizabeth Barrage wore oh, that gosh. were just like half of her height. And she was <laughs> she was a last minute addition to the cast. Because Meg Tilly was originally cast, and the day before filming, she fractured her leg. Mm. So they brought her in. Such a bummer. Shit. But yeah, the, the costume designer was Theodore Piztek. He was also, you know, he was born in Prague. So this, you know, went very well for this movie. Although, you know, this movie... You know, they used Prague, and Graham mentioned it, but they used Prague as a shooting location because it had not been updated with, like, asphalt or... There wasn't a lot of plastics, all because of communist rule during this time. So I was like... Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, that makes sense. Graham, did we go to Vienna together? We did. We went to the opera. We went to the opera. Okay. And that's when we had... I had real goulash, and I was like, this is... Not what Midwestern goulash is, which is really Midwestern well, goulash's hot dish. Yes. Ashley, you and I also have been to Salzburg. We were in Salzburg together. Yeah, we have. <laughs> but then Graham and I went to Salzburg. We, we did also go to went, Salzburg. We also went on the Sound of Music tour. Yeah. I've only been to Salzburg twice, and it's always to go see the Sound of Music tour. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley, for doing that for me. <laughs> Anything for you. And to see puppets. Oh my god! Uh, yeah. Look at that kitty. He's glasses. Glasses. Ashley, I think you going on the Sound of Music tour twice just says how much you love Graham. Because uh, I remember when you, at least you and I went, neither of us had seen the Sound of Music. Ever. Yeah, I was just like, I want to go on the tour too, guys. <laughs> yeah, that was You've when we were studying abroad. Oh, of course. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, because it played nonstop in the br- in the uh, hostel that we were staying. So I almost said brothel. <laughs> Well, Katie, don't, you know, if that's, that's what happened, I'm not going to yuck your yuck. That's how we paid for the room. <laughs> it was five euros back then. Um, are you guys fans of classical music? Yes, I am. I started listening to a lot of it because of this movie, although my mom says she played it for us when I was growing up. And I meant to ask you, do either of you ever, like, when you're listening, and it doesn't have to be classical music, it could be anything. Do you ever get like like goosebumps or you get like like this chill yeah. feeling when oh, you're yeah. listening? Yeah. Did mm. that happen to you when you listen when you watch this one? There were certain parts that it definitely did that to me. There are two the two I think sequences that are that this one was really well known for. One, you mentioned it already with the scene where Constance brings the samples of Mozart's work to Salieri and he's flipping through the pages and he's and every time he flips a page, it goes to that piece. It plays that mm-hmm. over I just think that's a brilliant brilliant i agree but also um the sequence earlier when he first meets mozart and he takes a peek at his uh he takes a peek at his work and later in life salieri does this beautiful monologue about the structure of his music do you know what i'm talking about that scene um and just like the way he talks about it combined with the way the scene is shot with the sound just like Mm -hmm. elevated it it's just a beautiful. I, I was like, that's that's the scene he probably got his Oscar for. Yeah, I like listening to classical. I don't. I couldn't be like, oh, I like this composer or this piece. But I'm also not great at that with modern popular music either. But um, I always find when I'm feeling a little too like eh, like anxious, or I'm in the car and I'm just constantly flipping through the radio. Um, when I put on classical, it just 
calms me down a little bit. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I remember in high school, my friend Olivia, who's also in the bridal party, she and her boyfriend at the time, the three of us were driving somewhere and they had turned on classical and they were like, yeah, we like to listen to classical sometimes. And I was like, oh my God, me too. <laughs> you know, I, cause you wouldn't think that High school students, that's something you necessarily would bond over or want to admit to each other. No, I get that. Well, we also grew up during the time of Classical Thunder. I don't know what, what is that classical? is. Yeah, it was advertised all the time on TV. It was like a dual D- CD collection of like, really like, classic, like, ugh, thunder, ugh. <laughs> no, I don't I think that, that was maybe a Florida thing or a it, no, I mean, southeastern. Look it up. Yes, it was so good. Classical Thunder. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's a little different because I, I don't know if we ever talked about if you guys ever played instruments in school. Yes. You did. What did you guys play? I played the flute and the saxophone, but I regret never doing percussion because one, at least going to school, I wouldn't have to carry anything back and forth but my drumsticks. And two, I had really good eye-hand coordination or hand-eye, however you're supposed to say it. Do you? I say it, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I, I may not say it right, but I did fucking great. There was like this test we had to take in school and it was a time test to be able to match um, symbols and numbers. And so you kept like looking back and forth to the legend and all this stuff. And I thought you were supposed to be able to finish it in the time we were given. And I got really close. I was like, oh, whatever. And then I found out it was a really big deal to get that far. Like It was actually doing really well. That's cool. Grim, what did you I play? I played the flute because I'm gay. <laughs> hey. No, I meant when you were a kid. Ah! <laughs> oh, it's a penis joke. Ah! Look at you. Look at you. I have had so That's much so practice. Funny. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Sorry, family members. <laughs> Sorry, coworkers who I recently told about this podcast. Oh, sh- well, you're not the one who said it. it was, I played it for like four years, Katie. I still have it somewhere. I'm in my closet right now, so I should find it and play it for my dog and see how she reacts. I don't think she would enjoy it. How long did y'all play for? Because it's a loud, you know, it's a high pitch. Well, I mean, what? my voice is already high pitched because I'm like. Because <laughs> I'm gay. Wait, did y'all also play piano? I played piano for 10 years and then I played flute nope. for a year and I quit because I hated my teacher and then he retired. But then I switched to saxophone and then I met one of my very best friends who taught me how to count measures, Ms. Laura Anderson. Oh. Well, speaking of playing, all of the people playing music in this are actually playing the the actual notes of of what is played over the soundtrack. So Tom Holtz practiced like four and a half hours a day. And even the scene where he's playing upside down, he's he's actually playing. I know. I love that. I love that so much. There was some study that some musicians did to to see if, if the keys they were pressing were the actual notes and it totally was you Which, can you can really tell when somebody has no idea what they're doing yeah yes well yes even, uh, even the, like michael j fox in back to the future <laughs> well even at the beginning with the young mozart where he's blindfolded the kid is actually playing on that that's wild so cool well like so i i played cello uh speaking about like carrying an instrument uh, Ashley, I have you beat because cello's way. Oh better. yeah, I was gonna be like a saxophone wasn't even that big of a deal. But like you know, so I played an orchestra going. I played since like six. I played sixth grade through, I want to say like senior year of high school. Um, and like I was on an orchestra and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we were gonna play Carnegie Hall, and um, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah I remember yeah, this time. And we were gonna play Carnegie Hall, the the orchestra I was in, and uh, I hated my. Um, conductor so much that I quit and I didn't do it mainly because she was a lunatic and uh, I, I, I could not play anymore but uh, I do remember she gave us uh, she gave us magic flute to play once um, and she was like and go and I was like can I can I read it first she's like no I'm like no I'm gonna fuck this up then <laughs> sight read but, make it perfect um, go um, yeah but like classical music's always been there because I grew up you know in orchestra, I wasn't in band or anything. I, I played orchestra, and so that's a lot of what we play. Mm. Can you still I, read I music? It. No, <laughs> it makes me so sad. So I mean, you can't I can get back bit. into that groove. 
You can, I mean, I can still read, like, you know, I, I still know the length of, you know, when you start with a time signature and then you read the length of the notes, like, all that I can still do. But if you were to show me, and first of all, I, 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 I could never do treble clef. I was better with bass clef because that's what cello's in. Oh, yeah, that makes but, sense. Um, but if you were to be like, what note is this? It would, it would take me yeah. a little while to figure that out. Yeah, okay, so I severely disliked my piano teacher. I don't know anybody else out there was forced to play an instrument. And for some reason, I like memorize the notes, but not properly. Like I would look at the note and I would know where my finger would go. But if somebody's like, what note is that? I wouldn't remember. I would have to count up from C. Like I, I always knew what C was. Everything else, I was like, um, I just, that's where my finger goes, right? Like, I learned it so wrong. And I was obsessed with Christmas as a kid, still a little bit now, but overboard as a child. And I just wanted to play Christmas music. Once I got good enough, you know, once I was advanced enough, so this must be like five, six, seven years in. And Patty, our piano teacher, was like, no, we can only play it. You can only play piano music for the two months before Christmas. And I was pissed. And like, Graham, you know this as somebody who's been an educator. Like, when a student is really into something, and you're like, I can teach you all these different technical things if you're into this specific theme. And like, let a kid get exhausted by that. Bob had this piano teacher who just said, what are you interested in? What do you want to learn? And it was more modern music. She was like, great, let's get the sheet music. Let's learn it. And so we talk about getting a piano at our house and... This is my goal when I finish graduate school in 15 months is to start playing piano again and learn like, you know, a bunch of different John Williams stuff. Like I want to learn the theme song to Jurassic Park. Right. And I want to learn Hedwig's theme and just shit like that where it's just really fun. I want to get back into it. I literally have cleared out part of my office. Be like, we could put a piano right here. Ashley, could you play upside down? Girl, no. <laughs> I have... <sighs> At least a few years ago, I still had some Christmas music memorized. And so when I go to my parents' house, I'll sit down at our piano. But I went back this year and tried to start playing something. I was like, oh, God, it's been so... I don't even remember this song that I used to obsessively play and could play completely from memory. Speaking of playing, a couple... We have all these home videos that we're going through. And I came across one. When I was little in my band in school, I thought that we sounded really good. Like, I thought we sounded really, really good. I listened to it, and oh my god, I felt so bad for the parents listening to that garbage. <laughs> it's like, we're going to sing, we're going to play Rocky, the Rocky theme, you know? For some reason, we were doing all... So, you, you know, it's like... Dun, 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 dun. It was like... Ah, <laughs> 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 it was like... Oh, I love oh, it. You just... You just what? Oh. Butchered Eye of the Tiger. And I was like, oh, we were fucking killing it. We were so good. <laughs> and the parents oh, see, good I'm, job, Graham. <laughs> you did a really nice I, job. I'm so worried because I have that same thing because I set up a tape recorder for orchestra and we were playing like in the Hall of the Mountain King. Classic. I have no, It's on Classical yeah, Thunder. Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> um, and I know I have that tape like that cassette somewhere I have no idea where it is but I'm the same as you I was like I think it sounded pretty good the like the last time I listened to it when I was in high school so I don't know we should put our band together um I've made a decision I'll play flute um the appropriate one and Katie can play cello and Ashley you could be on vocals and piano I'm not a good singer so I'll play the triangle okay (laughs) yeah we'll get you a little like snare drum It'll be great. I still have my cello, though, so I could do that. I wanted to play bass, but I was too short. I wanted to play upright bass. That's that's, that's some bologna sandwiches. I know. Although... All the cool kids play bass. I, I was going to say, I know. My ex-boyfriend did. Still does. Still plays it. Some, some kids get to live their dreams. Live <laughs> your dreams. Also, if you ever get a chance... So, I'm sure this is happening in other cities. So, we... Just this past week, saw Harry Potter in concert. Um, Fuck you, J.K. Rowling. I hate you, and I'm sorry that I gave you money. But it is fucking amazing to go watch your local orchestra play the score 
to a movie. Our the Minnesota Orchestra is phenomenal. I legitimately forgot that I was listening to live music because I was just so into the film, and that's I'm just like that's so good. We also saw Jurassic Park. Oh my gosh! If you ever get an opportunity to do that and you have the money, sit in a spot where you're higher up and you can look down so that you're what you can actually fully see the whole orchestra play and watch them play. And it's just it blows my mind. Cool. Well, uh, you know, this is going to be a very clumsy segue, but, like, speaking of real life... um, Speaking of things you do in real life. Speaking of real life, no, uh, so I know a lot of the controversy about this movie is people are like, did this really happen? Did Salieri really kill him? Did he really die like this? Blah, blah, blah. And actually, uh, there's a lot of... Kitty, I like you like <laughs> whatever. That's that's how I talk to Nick most of the time. Um, but uh, a lot of what was shown in this movie was actually pretty true. There were only a few things that were not exactly historically accurate, mm. but um, a good number of them was was pretty true. Like the emperor saying uh, it had too many notes. Like apparently that was documented that it actually that's happened. So funny. Hmm. I know. Um, Mozart apparently did propose to the emperor's sister, Marie Antoinette. <gasps> right? That took me a second. Because when he first said Antoinette, I was like, Marie Antoinette? Marie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Marie? Yes. Marie Antoinette. Um, but, uh, yeah, and you know, Mozart did die penniless. That he, he and his wife did split a little bit. Like, that was all, that was all true. Um the uh, the animosity between Salieri and Mozart was probably not that far from the truth. Like they were, you know, contemporaries, and uh, you know they knew each other. And Salieri was, you know, probably pretty jealous of him. So, uh, but the film portrayed Salieri as kind of like, you know, this loner, and and he's he's chased, and uh, he actually in reality had a wife and um, a bunch of kids and at least one mistress. So, Yeah. Can I just jump in? So I was reading up about that, and I think it's interesting how they're still not entirely sure of what he died of. And there Mm -hmm. have been, just even in the last 30 years, have been them studying more of, like, what they think are his bones because even the idea of a... um, a common grave or a singular grave, they still weren't totally sure because it wasn't uncommon for people to be put in a single grave, but then after 10 years they could be moved at the discretion of the king or whatever. They think that Mozart probably had his own grave, um, but there still isn't that certainty. And obviously it makes for way better storytelling. I was, my dad gets really, he's like, that's not how it really happened. I'm like, you're watching a film. Of course, like, it's not a real-life documentary. Even when you watch documentaries, there's a certain angle and things get left out. Like, you have to understand even something like this is based on a true story, right? There are going to be some things that can't be perfect. And, you know, there's only so much documentation in the the 1800s, but... uh, But it was true that Mozart was anonymously, anonymously commissioned for a Requiem Mass... Um, you know, it, it was unfinished at the end of his life. Uh, it, it, you know, it was revealed later to be, you know, some dude who had lost his wife. So, um, it was not Salieri, but, um, that, that was true. Salieri was, you know, a very famous composer at the time. He was also a big tutor. He tutored Haydn and Beethoven. Uh, he also did attempt suicide and wound up in a mental hospital. So... That's all those real. Mental, those mental hospital scenes were I know. creepy. <laughs> like, I know. And and yeah. and uh, there's still it's still up in the air if Mozart actually had that laugh too. Correct. Was, yes. Oh my gosh, that giggle just so funny. It was used. Really? It just kinda, it grated on me. It was supposed to. Yeah. yeah. And um, Tom Holst was like he based it on a director that he worked with who he couldn't stand or something oh, yeah. and didn't name who it was um, but but I just thought that was a really funny device mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought so too <laughs> that was it wow that's how, that that's was how we recreation. so whenever when, when we do come to the end of the podcast I, I want all of us to do to do the laugh yeah. to, to close it out um, but uh, so uh, uh, Mozart had 
a couple kids, not just the one, um, but only two that made it to adulthood, but mm. both died unmarried. So um, there's actually no living relatives oh. of Mozart today. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Stanzi did uh, wind up remarrying at some point, um, but mm. yeah. To talk about the actors briefly. The only other yes. movie I've seen with F. Murray Abraham is Muppets from Space. Uh, That's it? Muppets from Space. <laughs> That's crazy. I, but no, he's done a ton of other stuff, but that's just the only one that I've seen. Oh, he was also on The Good Fight with um, or The Good the good Wife or The Good Fight. Um, did you not watch Grand Budapest Hotel? I've never oh, seen it. He's in that? He's Mr. Mustafa. Oh, okay. So I've I seen... literally just watched Star Trek Insurrection like three days ago. Um, there you go. But I wish I... So Tom Holtz is like retired from from acting. Yes. Um, yes. My other movie of his that I watched so much growing up uh, was Parenthood with Steve Martin. Yes. Mm. Have you seen that, Katie? No. Oh, it's oh my wonderful. God. We should it's put it on the one- list. Oh my God, it's wonderful. You said this is with Tom Holtz? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean I've seen Animal House. Katie, but... it's so good. You'd love it. You said Parent Parenthood. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No. I don't know, but I love Steve Martin. So. Yeah. It's also like Steve Martin, like when he's like, "Mm, he's Steve Martin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it's been on my list of like, you should watch this because you love Steve Martin. I just haven't watched it. But uh, I also wanted to briefly mention um, that, you know, there's so many people in this cast uh, and everyone gives a fantastic performance. But did you guys catch R2-D2? What? Yeah. Oh, Kenny Baker. Yes. Kenny Baker's in this movie for like five seconds, but he's there. No, what does he do? He's uh, he's in the play. Uh, he's in the vaudeville um, that is kind of making fun of Mozart stuff. He's like one of the little people that is like uh, riding on the horse, and then he gets like hit on the head and like yeah. like one of those. Um, that scene was so fun. Yeah, where the the yeah. people were coming out from all areas of the stage, like coming out through like paper and. Yep. And his friend, who is like who is the gay guy from Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I like the horse that provides gifts out of its butt. So funny. Yeah. <laughs> Again, that's, that's the whimsy of this film. I loved it. I know. It's so great. Okay. So uh, before we get into our wrap up, um, I have a, I have a mini let me introduce you for this week. <laughs> <laughs> Burp the whole thing. Burp the whole thing. Oh my god! Remember Greg's you were gonna a kid? burp the theme song. I'm you were so a kid. There was always one kid. I was about to sing. Many let me introduce you, and I burped. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I have like, I want to say like, like craft ADD or like like I like to I like to keep busy. So, you know, whether I do stuff at the museum or we do the podcast or, you know, I like to knit or whatever, but like, I like to keep busy. You don't and know how to my... rest. Capitalism has fully um, ingrained itself Ashley. in your bones. <laughs> no, that's correct. I don't know how to rest. Okay. I suck at it. Like, if I were to sit down and watch TV all day, I would feel physically ill. Um, Maybe I know we it's all terrible. have ADHD. Anybody else feeling like they have ADHD? As you're hearing more about I don't know it? if it's ADHD, but it's just, it's definitely something where I need to be productive. Restless so, hand syndrome. It probably is because I also like like <laughs> my thumbs, but uh, grandma. Oh, masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, God. it's restless. Uh, it's true. It's restless hands. So I make these tiny miniature houses, and uh, you can either make little rooms or like they have businesses or like whatever. They're basically described as like Legos for adults. So you order a kit and it takes me like about a week to do a whole one. Um, And you have to assemble everything. Like it comes in a box with like all teeny tiny little pieces and pieces of paper. And you have to make everything like folding pieces of paper, cutting pieces of wood or gluing things together or painting or whatever. Um, And it's so much fun. And I usually find mine on Amazon, but you can, you know, if you don't want to support them, they, they have other places. There's a company called Row Life. Uh, that I know makes a lot of them. And there's tons and tons and tons of, of different types of houses that you can make. If you have the craft, like, itch at all, I would su- highly suggest picking one of them up and giving it a try. Uh, especially because as you start to practice them, you can make them more custom. Mm. So mm. Uh, I'm working on a garden right now, and it's got all these little, like, 
pictures with framed art. And it's always like, you know, Van Gogh or like just dumb clip art. And I hate it. So I've actually been, you know, uh, masterpieces and dumb clip art. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Uh, So I've been cutting out pieces of a comic book and like, so Batman is framed. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I have a plan for one right now. It's I bought it. It's an office, but I want to turn it into, like, a comic book editor-specific office. Aww. So I'm going to make a tiny little spinner rack with little comics, and I'm going to, like, the art that's going to go on the walls, I'm going to make it look like, you know, inks or boards or whatever. Um, highly recommended. If anyone needs a break and needs something to do. And what's the brand, Katie? Uh, it's a There's a bunch. So uh, if you usually just, like, Go to Amazon and search miniature house kit. There's a ton of them. Mm. I know I buy a lot of Row Life ones, but um, but yeah, it's it's. I think they're all from China. If you're so. in San Francisco and you want to support local business, go to Cliff's Variety in the Castro because they have several sets of these. Um, yes, do it. So definitely check it out. So yes. not sponsored, but we would like to be. Yes, please. Please, uh, Cliff's Variety. <laughs> this might really get me. So I've talked about how I feel as though I'm not very creative lately. Like I'm missing a good creative outlet. And all I do is consume media or content uh, since I'm on social media and I watch so much TV. But this might be a good way for me to dip my toe back into that. I mean, I've started doing it in making some stuff for our wedding but it is nice to make, to create, to make something with your hands. For a very brief period, I was making little scarves and stuff. But Yeah, I would say start with a smaller, because like, there's a bunch of kids, and there's like smaller ones and bigger ones. Do they also say the difficulty level on them? You know, like for no, Legos? No, they're all kind of the same. Okay. They're all kind of the same in difficulty level. It's whether, like, it's length of time. Mm. So if you want to have that, like, feeling of accomplishment... I would choose, you know, they have smaller ones like that are just rooms. Um, I would also, there's a specific kind of glue that I will also recommend that you get with this. It's just going to take me a second to find it. But um, one piece of advice, I would say keep it away from cats. Yeah. Nowhere near cats, nowhere near an open window, nothing that could like blow all of your pieces or that your cats can screw with it. Um, Learned that the hard so that's way, a, huh? Sure did. And uh, the glue, so the glue doesn't come with it. Um, I would recommend getting Beacon 3-in-1 Advanced Craft Glue because it dries clear and it dries really fast. So you have to work a little bit fast. So if you mess it up, it's not... No, no, no. It's it's enough that you can, like, pull it apart and stick it back together. Okay. Uh, But it's definitely better. Like, if if any of the glue comes with it, it, that stuff takes forever to dry and the stuff falls apart. Mm. So you want something that's going to stick together... Um, and then do dry. you think you also need a good tweezer set or a certain type just to place? I use the one so. that comes with the kit. Ooh, they give you one with it. Do they give yeah, you a tiny will... saw to cut things up? That would be so cute. No, I ha- I do have an exacto knife um, and a ruler. Sometimes they'll give you a ruler, uh, but a lot of the measurements are in centimeters. So as long as you have a ruler with centimeters, everyone should have a and good scissors. ruler. And a good I've pair ba- of scissors. I have, I have big scissors, uh, like regular. Scissors, and then I have baby scissors. Oh, with, like, the really sharp points? Yes. Yeah. So, anyway, highly recommend. Um, But, yeah, I want to wrap this up. I want to ask both of you, would you watch this again? I would. I I love this movie. I think I would. I think I might, not that I wasn't paying attention, but I might pay attention to different things this time. I don't think it would be the first thing that I would go toward, but... It is kind of reviving my love of period pieces. I think that was also part of why I like Bridgerton so much, is that just seeing that costuming. Um, and I love how many people will be like, um, there was actually a zip there, but that's not historically accurate, and, and all that's of that. So. It's very robust. You do get a lot more upon additional viewings. Mm-hmm. It's good. I, I do but, like films with that. Well, thank you guys for for watching it, and then uh, we've got we've got one more of these. Excuse me, what movies? Excuse me, what? Uh, Ashley, if you could uh, if you could introduce next or two weeks from now. Yeah. Uh, so the next time we are together, we will yes. be watching a film that I watched repeatedly with my dad of all people. Um, my dad and I watched a lot of Westerns as a kid. Um, we watched a lot of Ken Burns civil war <laughs> documentary. 
And then this would also be one of our go-to movies. So uh, next time, we are going to be watching 1957's An Affair to Remember. Ooh, is this our oh, is this I'm so excited. Our oldest? Me? No, no, Laurel and Hardy was older. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. That was from the right. 30s, 20s. Mm-hmm. No, because it was silent, right? Um, 30s, I think. But definite, yeah, we've had some definite um, gaps. I like switching so, it up. This Let's is great. I'm excited. Let's do it. Yeah. Me too. Gonna, I've always wanted to see it. Am I going to cry? Oh, probably. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, there's no. You, you know I'm not an emotional person. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested except to... when I watch Paddington too. Yeah. Obviously. Oh, obvi. Which I also there was an article in the Star Tribune our local paper recently about how good Paddington 2 was and well, Hugh Grant's uh, performance. So Listen to everyone, everyone. All right. We'll watch Paddington 2. Um It's on the it's on our list. Yes. It's on the list. Yeah, I'm excited to rewatch this. I haven't watched it in a long time and if any of you have seen Sleepless in Seattle. There's uh, like a nod slash homage to it. Um, Ooh, so, Cary Grant? Yeah, Cary Grant, Deborah Kerr. Oh, it's good. Fun. I'm excited. It's good. I'm so excited yeah. to watch this. I think you're going to be like, Ashley, I'm, I'm glad to see that you don't just watch shitty Disney Channel original movies and whatever run-of-the-mill nonsense. Um, and then... At some point, we're going to tap into my love of film noir, so. Mm. I'm excited. Oh, this is going to be so good. Ah, well, thank you guys. Thank you, every all listeners, for joining us. Please make sure to follow us on uh, Instagram at Let Me Intro You Pod. Yep. And on Twitter at Let Me Intro You, even though I have been not posting it. Um, <laughs> I also have some ideas for uh, a social plan for us. Great. So, um, Let's do it. We'll see if we can expand. And please rate and review us on Apple iTunes and leave, yes. leave a review. Please leave a, a good one. It has to be five stars or I'll be sad. But please leave <laughs> a review. Thank you. I'll kiss you. Yes. Yes. Take five seconds out of your day and just go click, click, done. Um, and yeah, otherwise we will, we will see you in two weeks and thank you so much. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> That was a good way to incorporate it. (laughs) Let Me Introduce You is a podcast hosted by Graham Veth, Katie Kubert, and Ashley Crone. Music by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Make sure to follow the Let Me Introduce You podcast on Instagram at Let Me Intro You Pod and on Twitter at Let Me Intro You. 